This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 16. Last week, we discussed money, how our thought patterns and beliefs about our finances can keep us stuck. We discussed how to let go of our limiting beliefs and really consider money just like time as a neutral circumstance that we can work with for our own benefit. We discussed what lack of knowledge and our limiting beliefs could be costing us, not just financially, but also impacting our choices and creating an obstacle in our path to financial freedom. So I hope you had a chance to listen and explore how some of these additional tools might help you in your journey. Now, before I share our topic for this week, I want to extend a special invitation for all my physician friends to join us to build your time for renewal and reset, to focus on yourself, to renew those promises you made to yourself, to realign with what will serve you, and to reignite your passion for your purpose. The Physicians Coaches Collective is a collaborative effort by physician coaches, and we're honored to share the space and continue to build this empowering community to help you and support you through your transformational journey. We will be having two hours of wisdom on resetting your mind and your body, including resetting your body through connecting to your senses, resetting your day with productivity tips, resetting your mindset to become a confident physician leader, resetting your fitness to get to your next level, resetting your relationships with self-compassion, and taking your career and life an octave higher. And as a bonus, we'll have an hour of group coaching where you get to take all of these pearls of wisdom shared by physician coaches and learn how to apply this to your own life, to your own dreams that you want to launch. So if you started this year with great intentions, but have now fallen back into a rut, if you've decided that you're ready to change and you're curious about coaching and what it can do for you, then this is for you. I'll leave more information in the show notes so you can find out more about this program and take the next step for your reset today. With seven physician coaches sharing powerful tools to help you reset on May 8th from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 30% of the proceeds will go to Humanity Auxilium to support humanitarian relief across the globe. Check out our webpage, message me or comment below if you're curious and you want to know more. I would love to see all of you there. I want to continue along this theme of self-discovery and connected to another aspect of life that we all think about and worry about. And yet none of us like to talk about it either. And that's our end of life and death. 
There are a lot of thoughts on creating a bucket list and living our best life. And yet, depending on our belief systems, religion, culture, upbringing, and environment, we all have our own thoughts on what death could mean. There's a general belief that somehow death is in the distant future, so we don't have to do anything right now. And life is so busy, so we end up putting away little bits of our dreams. We do what we're expected to do right now. We check the boxes and we wait for later time to come whenever that might be to do what we really want. This is the perfect discussion for my special guest today as we explore life, death, and living our bucket list. I hope you'll tune in for future episodes as we continue this journey of self-discovery and building tools to live our best life. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, Dr. Faryal Michaud. Dr. Michaud is a palliative care physician with 20 years of clinical experience, medical educator, mom, podcaster, blogger, and a certified life coach. Her goal is to help moms live a more intentional life. She's also a national speaker for better end-of-life care conversations. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I would love to hear how you got started in this journey and how you balance being a physician, being an entrepreneur, and being a mom. Yeah, thank you for having me. I have been a palliative care physician for almost past nine years. And before that, I was a hospitalist for 10 years. I feel like moving from hospital medicine to palliative medicine, it was a very natural trajectory for me because I was taking care of a lot of patients that were coming in at the hospital and no one was having meaningful conversations with them. So on the same token, I feel like going from palliative care medicine to life coaching has also been a natural progression of that because I see people at the very end of life and things that matter most to them is not at all what the rest of us are worried about. And so I kind of thought about, is there a way, and actually it's funny that you asked that question because I remember going hiking with one of my chaplains when I lived in California and she was like, doctor, you should be, she didn't call it a coach. She said, you should be like a wellness consultant. I don't even know what that meant, but she just meant that I was very motivating just Mm -hmm. the way I would get the team out. We would go hiking. We would do self-care. I would try to improve everybody's diet. She was like, it's nice that you do palliative care. So it registered in my mind that actually that would be something I would love doing. And so then when I learned about life coaching and people were asking me if I would coach them, then I thought that makes sense to me to take care of people, not only at the very end when they're very sick, but also when they're well. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't really think about that space in life because we think there's always time to do it later. And I really love your philosophy of just living your bucket list now instead of waiting till you have time in the future when you're retired or when kids are all grown up and somehow time miraculously is produced. And the reality is that time is never there and we have to make that time for ourselves. This is so palpable for anytime somebody loses a loved one Mm -hmm. that's either their age or a little younger because then all of a sudden they're like, oh, there's a sense of urgency that I could be dead tomorrow and I got to live my life today. And I always feel don't wait for a warning shot. Don't wait for someone close to you to die to say, okay, maybe I need to spend more time with my children. It's so funny, Serena. My sister had a saying when I was a hospitalist, I worked 60 plus hours a week. It was completely brutal. Nights, weekends. I remember 12 Christmas Eves in a row that I was on call. And I remember my sister telling me, if you get hit by a car tomorrow, the hospital can get someone to redo your job. Like maybe they have to hire three people because I was doing three different things. But my 
job would get done, but your kids will never have another mom. And that was such a powerful statement. To this day, I always think that. What is it that I can only do for my children that is not replaceable Mm -hmm. versus somebody saying, hey, can you go to this? Specifically, people will come out and say, hey, can you come to this quality meeting? And then I'm like, no, actually. So the idea of what is optional and what is essential is something that I think when we're young and we're trying to make a name for ourselves, we feel like every time someone asks us to do something, our answer has to be yes. But I'm here to say no. Yeah. And really by saying no, strategically, especially, we get to do so much more and be more present. So many times I've felt, oh, I'm actually, I'll confess, I'm a people pleaser, yes person. And I feel like when I say no, somehow I am disrupting the way things are supposed to be. And it was really hard for me to say no to something, but also to things that I've been doing for some time, realize, okay, really, am I really adding value in this space? Or is this just something that someone else can do? And I'm just doing it and thereby keeping me from doing something else that could be of value. So now I look at everything in my life on a weekly basis. I look, okay, I've enjoyed this. This has been valuable for me. Am I adding value in this space? And if the answer to any of those is no, or it's just the risk benefit is getting it's changing, then it's a place that I have to pull myself out from because as long as I keep myself constantly busy, I'm never going to be able to do the next thing or create that next space. Whereas before I used to just say yes to things and I would never take anything off my plate. And that's really how you build that overwhelm and feeling like you have no time is because there's just too many things that you've said yes to and and there hasn't been like a spring cleaning of your calendar. I think that's so powerful and especially the kind of coaching that you do and focusing on productivity. I think that the whole idea that people are not productive, I think it's a fallacy. They are productive doing things that they are doing things. They're watching three hours of Netflix. That's their productivity. A lot of people say, I don't have time. But if you like same idea with people who want to manage their mind around eating, that they're like, I don't eat a lot of food. I don't know why I'm gaining so much weight. And it's okay. I believe you. Let's go over what you ate the past week. And then they're like, oh, wow, I think I am eating a lot more than I thought. And same is with the time when people say they don't have time. The joke is you have as much time as Beyonce has in a 24 hour day. So (laughs) how can you, obviously you don't have all the trainers she has, but how can you (laughs) place things and then be okay with it? For example, you and I right now are having this podcast and Mm -hmm. I just dropped my daughters. I live in Hawaii and you live in Indiana. Mm -hmm. So this would work for you for your time wise. And it was totally fine by me. But the the catch here is I drop my daughters off at school and I'm by the park that I usually go for a run. I could have drove back so that I could have a better audio at home and but I would miss my run. And I felt, no, I want to be there with Serena. I want to do her podcast, but it's equally important for me to actually make it to the run. So the trade-off is the sound won't be very good, but then I hold myself accountable because I have a run to do. Absolutely. And your background's beautiful. I agree with you. I think that's such a good point that there are trade-offs. Nothing is perfect. And when we say, okay, I'm going to do X and Y, and maybe because I'm doing X and Y, like there's something that has to give, but that doesn't mean I can't still do it. And if I think I'm only going to do this if it's perfect and if all the factors line up and sometimes it can be hard to do that. So then you're holding yourself back from doing something that you would like to because, oh, the audio is not going to be perfect. But at the end, 
end of the day, does it even matter? Because the message you have to share is so much more important than that. So I think that is such an important thing to consider is what are you not doing right now? Because you're worried that it's not going to be enough. What if what you're doing is just perfect the way it is? And it, it doesn't have to have all the bells and whistles and all of the extra bows that you think you need for it to be enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that because I talk about your net peace instead of working on your net wealth to work mm-hmm. on your net peace. And your know, net wealth could be positive or could be negative, but your net peace can only be positive or more positive. And And one of the things that I talk about, about your net piece is connection and making human connection, like whether it's me talking to you right now, or after this, I'm going to visit a friend who's had a double mastectomy and all of those things fill my net piece in my life. At the end of the day, my day was amazing because I connected with you and Mm -hmm. I visited my friend. And so I feel like if you were to look at your day, yeah, productivity, maybe I could be working on my business right now. I could be at any moment. I can be working on my business, but at the end of the day, working on my business, yes, there's a component of creativity, but if I don't have human connection as my part of my quote unquote to-do list and part of my own human productivity, at the end of the day, I don't feel so good. You actually highlighted something that I think a lot of people struggle with in their understanding and concept of productivity, which is I'm more productive when I work more, but actually you're more productive when you do what matters to you. You are being productive right now. And productivity is not just what we consider our career or our work. You can be productive in so many different ways, right? Running, building connection in your life, spending time with your children, enjoying moments of peace and all of these adds to your multidimensional layers of productivity. And at the end of the day, what you can create is so much more powerful when you are working from all these areas of strength, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to be really productive. And for that, I'm going to only focus on work and I'm going to work 80 hours a week. And this is how it's going to be and being really structured. And yes, you can do that. And I think there was a lot of data at one point people were researching, right? What changes do you see in productivity when you stop taking vacations? So that was a huge discussion at one point because people would say, oh, I never take vacations. I'm so productive and I work all the time. But in reality, actually not taking vacations and not having any other dimensions to their life was actually making their productivity worse. I think for especially anyone listening, but even for myself, I challenge myself when I think, oh, I'm not being productive. And I look at what I'm doing. If I'm really only working on work or just this one area, I I tell myself I have to have white space in my calendar. I have to have time when I'm really doing nothing and I'm nurturing a different part of my brain. Because when you do less, but you do it strategically, I feel like it boosts your productivity so much more. Yeah, my husband is a radiation oncologist and he's French. And so having vacation is huge culturally to them because they get tons of vacations. Six to eight weeks is Mm -hmm. not unheard of. It's almost like that's bare minimum. That's right. But when we came here to Hawaii, from California and he was interviewing he was talking to one of the doctors in his group who by the way no longer is in that group but he was a more junior the next person in the group and he 
was saying that he's been working for like past year and a half and he had still not taken a vacation because he wasn't sure if he should take it and he should not take it and my husband is okay that would never be me that would never be us like we are the kind of people my husband at any given time does not have any more vacation like it's never that there's a bank of vacation that we're waiting to because when is that going to be? Yeah, absolutely. So when you do take time off and you're creating that space to do other things, how do you balance that between maybe things that your children need and then of course your work and business, but also your personal needs? How do you build that in your life? How do we add vacation? So here's what I want to say. I think first and foremost, this is one of the things that I truly believe. You and your spouse need to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. I, I need to go on vacation. Like I need to mentally check out. And my husband is the same way. We love to travel. Not everybody's like that. There are mm -hmm. people who are super happy, home buddy. If there's a weekend and the weekend is spent like tending to the garden or redoing the garage, if you are those people and you actually get energized from doing that, it's really hard to be quote unquote married or in a relationship with somebody else whose idea of vacation or whose idea of time off is to pack up and go to New York City for the weekend. We never, when we meet someone and we marry someone, we never ask each other, what is your wavelength? What is your mm -hmm. happiness code? So I think for us, it has always been like traveling and like, completely unplugging from home and up and leaving. So I think that for me, the most important thing is you and your partner are in the same way of that you both feel similar about what re-energizes you. And before we lived in Hawaii, it could have because we lived in Sacramento, California for 10 years. On the weekend, we would go to Lake Tahoe skiing. And it might have been we drive Saturday morning, get back home Saturday night. Or we would have gone to Napa for two days. Or or we would have gone to San Francisco. Like it was never, it was never like, when was the last time we did? It was like this Saturday, hey, let's go to San Francisco. There was no pause. There was no should, we should be doing our taxes. I think we always prioritize. Like it, it gives us so much joy to travel mm -hmm. and do things that it, there is no hesitancy. Now moving to Hawaii because we are isolated, we can't, especially with COVID. I know people are like, hey, cry me a river, you're in Hawaii. But I have haven't seen my family for almost a year and a half and two years or his mom who lives in France she hasn't visited us and she would every year we are even more isolated because say you live in Indiana and you have family in Chicago they just get in a car and come to you we don't have that opportunity in Hawaii but having said that the sense of I need to get up and go on vacation is a lot less living in Hawaii that's a vacation truly people say does it ever get old it never does like on it like this morning when I do my run around the park, which is next to where my daughter's school is, it's mm -hmm. right next to the ocean. And I always end up going to the ocean, putting my foot in the water and meditate for 10 minutes. I don't take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of how do we incorporate it, I just feel like we were those people when we lived in Phoenix, Arizona, and there was no water anywhere. Like we would get mm -hmm. in a car and drive to Rocky Point, Mexico, which was four hours away. So I think as long as your mindset is that way, and you are 
aware that how much that kind of activity can recharge you as a couple and as a family, it becomes organic. It doesn't become, oh, we need a vacation. Like I never think I need a vacation because the thought of I need a vacation to doing something about it that makes me feel like I'm on vacation. It's there's no space between that. Yeah. And what a great insight, right? Thinking about what recharges you. What are your needs? What are your strengths? Because I know sometimes I've heard from some where they said, I can't even remember the last time I relaxed. It's so crazy. I don't even know what I like. And yeah, I shouldn't say some, I I can even talk about my own experience. So I, for the longest time, just going through surgery residency and and starting uh, practice, I I remember there was a time where someone asked me, oh, what's your hobby? And I had to stop and think, when was the last time I actually did anything? Because I had young children, either I was at the hospital or I was with my kids at home. And I felt guilty even actually to take any time for myself or self-care was just something that I felt, oh, that's not important because I have to be really present as as much as possible with the kids. And then when I started to get into this phase where I was just so miserable, I was a miserable person. And that's not really me as a person. From the time I was a kid, I was always a very positive, upbeat person. And when I started like hating everything about life and I realized, okay, something has to change because this is not even, first of all, I don't enjoy being with myself. So how can someone else want to be with me? And how do I reconnect back to what was joyful? So I tried like all of these things, trying to figure out what do I like to do? And that's what I would encourage for anyone who might have that feeling. It's been so long. There's nothing wrong with that because sometimes life gets so crazy and you get into the space and there's no guilt in that because I did feel guilty like, oh, I'm making wrong choices and and all of that. And it took a while for me to just say, okay, what's done is done. So where do I go from here? And just exploring who I am, what do I enjoy and what are my needs? What does recharge me? And I had to try a few things. There were some things that I tried. I'm like, I never want to go back there or do that again. But then I found things that I I really enjoyed. So I always wanted to be a baker. I I wanted to own a coffee shop. So I thought, okay, when I retire, that was one of my retirement plans. And something popped up. Some of my friends were interested. And I said, oh, you know what? Why don't we do something like that now? So a couple of years ago, a few of my friends and I, we started baking and I was working part-time already at that point from surgery. And so we started, actually, we supplied one of the local coffee shops and it was something on my bucket list. It was so amazing just to see your creative products, if you will, sitting and someone is buying it and all of that. And then very quickly, I realized this is, I enjoy it. It was on my bucket list, but now I can say, okay, I've checked it off. This is not what I want to do every day of my life or anything. So it was actually great. It was something that I thought I would want to do forever. It was my retirement plan. And then I realized, yeah, I just enjoy baking for my loved ones. So trying these different things, it really gives you such a different perspective in life and, and allows you to sort of live that bucket list as you go through experimenting with things that bring you joy. And it was really quite an amazing experiment. I try to do something different that I haven't done before every week. And sometimes I find things that I really love and wow, why have I never tried this before? And then sometimes I find things I'm like, yeah, now I see why I never did this. I think that's really a fun way to figure out what you do like, what you don't when you're working from a space where maybe you haven't really been in touch with that joy or that your deep inner self. So I think that was a fun, fun journey for me. Yeah, I love that you share the story because I, before going to medicine, I was a dancer and I Mm -hmm. was part of Up With People and we traveled the US and danced on stage for about a year. And I was 19 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. And really, had I not done that, I think all my life I would have been like, that's what I want to do. And I enjoyed it, but it's got out of my 
system because I did not like the life on stage. I did mm-hmm. not like the, I like performing. I still do, but I don't feel like I would want to make a career out of it. But mm-hmm. it wasn't until I did it that I realized that sometimes you don't even know. But you know what you're telling me that people are like, I don't even know what brings me joy. Like I've forgotten about that. I don't know if you or your audience are Harry Potter fans. I'm a huge <laughs> Harry Potter fan. Yes, absolutely. Scene, there was a scene at the end where Snape is dying and hopefully not given away. I don't know that there's many people who haven't read it yet. So Very I good. apologize for giving away for those who haven't. But then there's the part that he captures his tear. Mm-hmm. And in his tear is all the memories, on the mm-hmm. meaningful memories. And one of the memories is he obviously loved Lily and they're under the tree. And so all those like happy memories coming back. I think we know what joy is. I know if we were dying right now, if you were, God forbid, to die, there are moments in your life that are in color. There are moments in your life that is pure joy, zero responsibility, passion, would really feel like if you were to condense your life to that single tear that's coming out of your eye, what are those highlighted features of your life? And if you know what those are, do more of that. It may not be creating it. For example, I love snorkeling. Love it. And my husband, who is the all-around athlete, really wants me to be a dive certified person. And I've never, uh, initially, I was, I would feel like I would be scared of diving, being very to the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. But that's because I was in California and the visibility. Here, I totally could dive. Now, that could be something that brings me joy that I've never done. So I could imagine, I can say, you know, I love snorkeling. What if I try to consider diving? Even if it's nothing I've done before, but I know if I were to die and if I had a tear removed from my eye, looking back, the times that I snorkel are really high on the scale of pure joy. So you may not know what it is, but I imagine if I were to die, that's going to go up there too. So sometimes I think we are so removed from our own life experience, we can't even tap into that tear. Like we can't even, you're like, I don't know what gives me joy. I think you do. And really just building from what you do know. And that's, I think, the best first step. And I would say five years ago, if someone had asked me, there were many things that I felt, oh, I don't know. But really, I was just indulging in confusion a little bit. (laughs) And once I explored and I said, what if I did know? Like you said, just what is one thing that has brought me joy? And now what else can I do connected to that? And just keep building from it. That's Mm -hmm. the perfect way to do it. And really, the journey is what it is. That Mm -hmm. is where the joy happens. And I recently did like my strengths assessment with Gallup. And one of the things was a surprise learner, but the other thing was futuristic. And I think I do tend to sometimes live in that space of, oh, I'll, this is what the future will be. And not really so much in the moment now. And what has helped just being aware of my strengths and my personality traits is just saying, okay, this is what I tend to do. Now, how do I bring myself back into the moment? So I think knowing ourselves, knowing Knowing our joys, knowing our connections, it just allows us to connect back into the moment so much more powerfully. 100% agree. And I think when we say we don't know, we can do better than we don't know. If I were asking someone like, what really makes you happy? And someone would say, I don't know. I'm like, I think you do. I think Mm -hmm. I don't know is a cop out. I think that people, people are so dismissive about life. And they say, my life is so boring. Or my life is so mundane. Oh, it's one more day. It's another weekend. Oh, 
it's Monday again. I cannot tell you how many times I hear people complaining about the most mundane things that, oh, it's rainy. You're in Hawaii. It's okay. It's raining. <laughs> or I can't tell you the weather is bad. Or there are people that constantly, the way to communicate with world is try to pull out the most negative thing and try to connect with people from that negative energy. I don't know why that is, but that's their habit. And I always say, listen, I can go in the hospital and drag out 14 people right now that would love to switch places with you. So just enjoy it. Enjoy the rain. Enjoy the freezing weather. Enjoy the muddy whatever. Enjoy the moment that you have a flat tire. You're alive. Mm -hmm. It happens. So I think that whole idea of people not being in touch with their joy, I feel like people are used to selling themselves short. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to be someone who's going to say, I don't know what brings me joy. I feel like you do know. Mm -hmm. It's your responsibility to own up to what makes you happy. I, I think also just to go off of what you're saying, because that is so important. I think what happens is if you say you don't know, then, you know, if you're not joyful, or if you're struggling with something, you can say, well, I just don't know. And that's why all of these things are happening. But when you know, and then maybe you're not seeing the change that you want, or things aren't happening as quickly as you want, or whatever it is, then there's almost that feeling, I know, and I'm trying my best and my best just isn't good enough because I'm not seeing the results. You get that self-worth tied into some of these outcomes. And suddenly, I don't know, seems a much safer place to be. Because if you don't know, then of course, you're not there because you don't even know where you want to be. But when you say, oh, this is my dream. And if you're not quite trying for your dream, then there's a lot more personal self-responsibility. So I think sometimes there is that you don't want to acknowledge that because it's easier not to know. No, that's a huge, insightful take that you take it to because I think that it's almost yeah, I, I don't know if I like ballroom dancing because you think I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna be mm -hmm. like stepping on my own feet. But I, I wonder, it's okay. You don't have to. If you're somebody whose life is fine, that every day is like a groundhog day for you, you get up, brush your teeth, do whatever, and there you look back at your day and there's nothing that is mind shattering and blows your mind, and that life is good for you, there's nothing to change. Mm -hmm. I think the concern is people who say, I don't want this life. I want it to be better than it is. Yet they don't come from a place of curiosity saying, what could I do differently? Could mm -hmm. I be listening to uplifting music when I'm brushing my teeth? Are there any ways that I can add more color to my black and white life? It's funny because as I'm saying this, I'm not minimizing people that are depressed. I'm not minimizing people that have mental health issues. I'm mm -hmm. talking about a lot of us who don't have a diagnosis of mental illness are living a very mediocre life and some are okay with it but plenty are not mm -hmm. and what I'm here to encourage your audience to consider is that like you said not linking your quote-unquote self-worth with productivity not linking your self-worth with how much joy is added to your life but really pull back and say I'm curious if my life isn't as colorful as I want it to be are there things I can do in my power mm -hmm. that will make my life different today mm -hmm. and the answer is 100% yes and for you for not you but for someone to say I don't know it's an intentional cop-out to say I can't make a difference in this life because they don't want to fail oh absolutely yeah and just as we explore that space right where maybe they do feel because I have heard this where people tell me they just feel powerless there's that sense of loss of autonomy they're like it's just this is just the way my boss is or this is just the way my job is and it perpetuates right that burnout of being in a situation whether it's a job or a relationship or or a state of 
health. They're like, I'm overweight. I'm not working out. My cholesterol is elevated. I'm diabetic and feeling powerless and helpless in that situation. And I'd love to talk a little bit about maybe some tools and strategies that individuals can explore because there are always things that come up. And the first thing that our brain does is say, oh, there's nothing you can do. This is just the way it is. But I love building curiosity and asking questions. Okay, I'm, I'm not happy in my job or I'm not happy with my health or whatever it is. So if you say, I'm not happy, what could be different? So asking questions, I think is a great tool to figure out what are the changes that needs to happen. And I'm not saying that even me, I don't know all the answers. Sometimes I have these questions too. I'm not happy with this. What do I do differently? But one question leads to another and to another and you keep trying. I love thinking of it as an experiment. You keep trying different variables and see what works, what doesn't, but at least there's something changing. You're getting data, whether that data is, yes, it's a success or no, that's a failure. You're getting some data and you're moving on. So I would love to hear what are some tools or strategies that you've used or, or would advise individuals to think when they feel maybe powerless or, or that sort of feeling of, oh, I'm not sure what to do. What are some things that they can do to create change? Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked me this question because I'm like dying to run around and tell everyone about it. So I was born and raised in Iran and I went to Japan in my middle school years. My brother still lives in Japan and I was introduced to Asian philosophy and Buddhism. And since then, I've taken courses. I've personally studied. I've done whatever I could. My mother-in-law is a sophology instructor and that's more about mindfulness, European kind of mindfulness. So I've been into that space for a very long time. And sometimes people ask me, why is your mindset like this? And I really think my mindset is because I've actively been cultivating that thought. And the two of the most powerful tools that they teach in Buddhism, you don't have to be a Buddhist to incorporate these two, are two absolute facts of life. And one is acceptance and the other one is impermanence. So mm -hmm. acceptance is, this is my life. If I'm unhappy with whatever, if I'm unhappy with my weight, if I'm unhappy with the way I look, if I'm unhappy that I'm 51 years old, whatever it is that's your life, just accepting the fact of your life is completely freeing. Accepting the facts of your life is completely taking away the helplessness. Mm -hmm. What is to be helpless? What is to feel helpless about if this is my reality? If you fight with reality, you lose 100%. So it's mm -hmm. like accepting that this is your life. It is what it is. And on the other hand, of course, I'm not saying if you're somebody who is experiencing you're in an abusive relationship or you are in a situation that's negative. I'm not saying accepting it and doing nothing about it or social injustice. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you should do nothing about it, but that sense of acceptance and also the appreciation of what impermanence means in Buddhism, which is the same thing that this too shall pass. If you are unhappy right now, and I think that this is something that's very important. If you're angry right now, if you're sad, if you're mad, if you're anxious, if you're worrier, you have a sense that you're all of a sudden hit with a sense of overwhelm right? The world is coming to an end. We all remember when we get angry. We all remember when we get mad, but we don't remember when this feeling goes away. Think about when you snapped at your kid last time. You can very well remember the feeling. They broke this, they did something, and then all these emotions built up in you, but you don't really remember when that feeling went away. So having awareness that all these negative things that happen in our lives, it comes and it goes. The sense of 
impermanence, to accept, accept your life the way it is, all the negativity that you see and you feel coming at you, think that it's a wave. It is coming. Whether you stand there, want to resist it, want to fight, the wave is coming. But the wave is going to go. And I think those two ways of wrapping your mind around everything that happens in your life, I cannot tell you, it lifts your existence to a very different way of being. You don't react to things. You don't feel sorry for yourself. You don't want to change a terrible situation, except tense and impermanence. If you can obviously do your own reading so you can understand because there's you can take a whole class on impermanence. The whole idea is this too shall pass and just be aware that when you feel miserable, there's going to be a moment that you won't feel miserable. So don't be fixated on that because you are actively, like you said, being indulgent. You're actively trying to resist the situation that you cannot and you're making your experience more miserable. Absolutely. I love that acceptance and impermanence and and I think those two are amazing tools to add to the toolbox. We build that. And while we were talking about it, one other thing that has come up and that has really been a huge support for me for, for burnout and just overcoming that feeling of, oh, somehow there's something going on and that loss of autonomy or, or feeling like there's something wrong is to go back to what you said, the acceptance, but really also just giving both yourself and, and your environment, the people around you loving kindness, right? Because there's always this, oh, you know, well, that person did something wrong. I did something wrong. Why does it have to be anybody's fault or, or like something wrong? What if this is just the way it is and nothing really has gone wrong? This is how we're meant to experience this phase of our life. And I used to get upset at people. I said, oh, this person's so annoying or they're so mean. And when I stopped thinking someone is doing something wrong or I'm doing something wrong and just said, this is something that happened and really giving both my myself and the others grace so much peace you don't even think I forget when the annoyance went away you don't even think what that next phase is because it, it does go away that annoyance is brief and clinging on to the annoyance because I'm convinced that someone else did something wrong and I'm going to have to prove it is is totally unnecessary we talk about how your students can be your teachers mm -hmm. so I also have a coaching business and one of my clients said something the other day that really stopped me in my tracks she said well, I was thinking thinking about this whole acceptance and impermanence and whatever and somebody did something at the hospital that really upset me mm -hmm. and she said I chose the thought that he didn't do it on purpose I want you to think for a second and all your audience put that sentence in your toolbox mm -hmm. anytime someone does that let's say there's been flash flooding and big rain and people are running and sometimes there's puddles in the corner and sometimes somebody's going and the puddles hit someone who's running well they're trying to avoid the biker on the other side. So if you think this person is just splashed you with all this puddled water intentionally, you're going to be mad all day. But if you think he didn't do it on purpose, he didn't mean to hurt me. And even if they meant to hurt you, even if they did mean to hurt you, when you say he didn't mean to do this or he didn't do it on purpose, you show up differently in your life. Yeah, that's so powerful. I love that. Yeah, just like you said, we get to choose this life we're creating for ourselves and you can make 
make it feel like you're having a miserable existence or you can feel like I'm going to live intentionally. I'm going to choose what I'm going to think. I'm going to choose what I'm going to believe because at the end of the day, what I believe is my reality. It's not what somebody else believes about me. Right. Oh, absolutely. We do get to create our reality. And I think that's amazing because that gives us that, the choice in that moment. And I think that if you had the choice of thinking something that would make you feel better or happier or connect to the joy rather than thinking something that would make you feel worse. It's a habit though. And it is important to create that alternate habit of choosing to have the thought that serves you in the moment, choosing the thought that connects you to the moment, to the joy, to what you want to live in, as opposed to the reality that you don't want to live in. And, and we have that choice. Yeah. Listen, you are the hero of your own story. <laughs> no one is writing your book, right? So when you look back at your book, how is this hero in the story acting? Like when you read a book and somebody makes bad decisions, you're like, oh, you're thinking that over and over again. And it's funny to me because we go on doing things that we could be telling ourselves don't, don't, but we're not listening to ourselves. So you're the hero of your story. You write your story, choose how your chapters end every single day. And if you look at your life and every day is a chapter, what did that hero do in that story? You're not like this passive person. You're not the side character. You are the hero of your story. So how do you want to show up in your life? If you don't value yourself, if you don't value your life, no one else will do it. I promise you. No mm -hmm. one's going to come and say, hey, you need to do this. This will make you happier. It's nobody's business. Mm -hmm. And they don't know truly. So you own yourself to create this book because you're the hero of your own story. Yeah, absolutely. If you could travel back in time and talk to your past self, is there anything that you would tell your past self? What would be a piece of advice that you might give your younger self? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually was very anxious about moving to Hawaii. The cost of living is really high. We had a beautiful home in California. Cost of private schooling is really high in Hawaii. So there were a lot of unknowns here and I would not sleep. I'm like, oh my gosh, what school are the girls going to get into those schools? It was a comp very competitive environment. Do I even want them? So I was worrying about all of these things that clearly I had no control over because mm -hmm. my husband didn't find a job in California that he liked. So we didn't move to Hawaii for a better life. We moved to Hawaii because that's where he found the job. And true, we could have moved somewhere else, but being close to water is important to him. So I would just say, listen, I would tell myself that things will work out because my children could not be happier. I, I, I know they left their swim team behind. They left their friends that they had for many years behind. We have the best neighbors I could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. I have a neighbor that I always say she's the best. If I only moved to Hawaii to be close to her, and she's the one who got me a personalized autographed book of President Obama oh. for Christmas. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Hey, listen, had I not, I would not have had a President Obama personal <laughs> autographed uh, book that says to Fariel. So Aww. my point is, I would just say, you don't know, you don't know what life has and mm -hmm. worrying about it doesn't change your future experience. Mm -hmm. So that would be what I would tell myself that even if let's say my husband's job comes to a screeching halt and we have to move somewhere else, you just don't know. And worrying about what you cannot control doesn't mm -hmm. add to your life. I would just say, if you have no control over stuff, just chill because what's out there could be 10 times better than what's here. Yeah. The concerns that we build in our minds sometimes aren't even real. So that's great advice. If our, if any of the listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you, where would they find your information? Yeah. So thanks for asking. They can email me. I have a podcast called Write Your Last Chapter. 
after and they can listen to the podcast if they want if they want to contact me it's contact at writeyourlastchapter.com there's also a blog there that I write uh, once or twice a week they can subscribe because I share stories that are inspirational for me that I feel can lift people up and also my personal website is www.drfarial.com so they can learn more information there as well awesome thank you so much for sharing and I'll include that information in the show notes as well so everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more I really appreciate all of the wisdom that you've shared today and all of the time that you've spent with us it was really fun thank you so much thank you it's been a pleasure have a wonderful day thank you so much (laughs) for my listeners if there are any topics that you want to hear more please drop a comment below I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.